Welcome to episode number 50 of the Awakening Podcast. This was a live uh, recording that we did with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny on Saturday the 6th of February 2021 and I believe that the content was so valuable that it was worth putting up as a special 50th episode. We had some audio feedback issues but it was only for a certain part. If it affects you, you can always watch the, the video and you'll find the link in the description. We love it on uh, BitChute. You can find all my episodes on awakeningpodcast.org. I'm on Awakening Podcast on BitChute. And they're all different. All the episodes are different. So be sure to listen to them all. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Freedom Broadcasters International, and we're so honored and happy to present to you Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. So basically, for those who are really awake of what's happening, she is no stranger to the viewers, mm -hmm. to the audience. But for those who don't know her, just check her bio and information in her two websites that I know. It's Vaxter dot com and also dr sherry tenpenny.com that's Is not that it oh it's it's just dr tenpenny.com dr tenpenny.com okay mm -hmm. yeah uh, so thanks thank you so much dr tenpenny and other than saying more about you why don't you just take it away and share to the audience what you've been doing for the last many decades the last many decades? Okay. So um, my first career was I was board certified in emergency medicine and the director of a level two trauma center for 12 years. Then I moved to Cleveland in 1996 and I opened an integrative practice that I'm always proud to say that people have um, come from all 50 states and about 18 countries to get well and off their pharmaceutical drugs. In September of 2000, I attended the National Vaccine Information Center meeting in Washington, D.C., and came home and said, how did I miss this stuff? I sat through four days of listening to scientists and lawyers and doctors and parents of vaccine-injured children um, and came home and said, maybe I ought to look into this. Um, I was not vaccinated as a child. I had all the age-appropriate infections. I grew up in a chiropractic family, so I grew up on chiropractic and vitamins. And so I didn't have, and I think it's one of the reasons as, a, as an adult that I'm as healthy as I am is because I had all the childhood infections you were supposed to have and your immune system exercised itself in the, at the appropriate time. So after I started investigating problems with vaccines, I've spent 20, going on 21 years and more than 40,000 hours of my time um, investigating and exposing problems associated with vaccines by just reading the peer-reviewed um, medical literature. I mean, I've got, I have a collection of more than 17,000 articles and article links to abstracts and full text articles showing that vaccines are not safe. They don't keep you from getting sick. Uh, they're not necessary and they definitely cause harm. So, Dr. Tenpenny, um, you've been talking about a lot of really subjects. And at this moment, I know hundreds of people are falling in line like a herd taking vaccine. So how about we start with that? Okay. Is there a question in there somewhere? <laughs> I, my question is that, is there really a rush to go in? especially for the elders, because it seems like it's the elders who, who are really like rushing to go in. And I asked that question because my specialty is in the Alzheimer's and dementia, and it really breaks my heart to know what's going on. So what must 
do they have to rush into that? And or is that really going to help them? Um, it's probably going to kill them, quite frankly. You know, we've it's just not even a, a matter of if, it's just a matter of when and a matter of time because of how the messenger RNA injection behaves inside of the body once it gets there. And it, there, I have mapped out seven different mechanisms of injury of how the antibody against the messenger RNA, the anti-spike protein antibody can cause harm to the immune system and autoimmune disease. It can cause a complete breakdown of the alveoli in the lungs. And the, and the larger, the higher the antibody level, the more substantial the amount of, of, um, of um, d disaster, of, of damage to the alveoli in the lungs. And for your listeners with the alveoli, are they're the little um, sacs at the very ends of your bronchioles where the, they're like one or two cells thick. And that's where the exchange happens between oxygen and carbon dioxide in your blood. So if you've destroyed the alveoli, you can't breathe and there's no repairing it. Once it's destroyed, it doesn't grow back. You can't repair it. And so this, and so the, the mainstream media has done a particularly good job of terrorizing senior citizens into believing that just because they are over 65, if they get this infection, they're going to die. And it's just simply not true. And I can't tell you how many patients have said to me, why is there such age discrimination against us? I'm 72 years old. I take no medications and I'm much healthier than my 50 year old kids, you know? And so I believe that just because you're chronologically of a certain age, it doesn't make you more susceptible. What makes you more susceptible is underlying comorbidities, things like obesity, hypertension, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, other types of autoimmune diseases, the long list of medications that senior citizens are on. In fact, I read an article, and this was several years ago now, that the average 55-year-old woman is on eight daily prescription medications. And so it's the comorbidities. It's the underlying thing. I've said for many, many years, health is an inside-out phenomenon. It's how you take care of yourself, the right nutrition, the right nutrients, the detoxification pathways being open. And all of those things are what makes you more susceptible, not merely the fact that you happen to be of a specific age. There are lots and lots of reports out there of people who are senior citizens that got exposed to this virus and didn't even get sick. They got what was like a mild cold or maybe a mild influenza and fully recovered because globally in all age groups, the recovery rate from the infection of this virus is more than 99%. So this vaccine is going to kill people. There's no way around it because of the way that the messenger RNA is encoded and what it or what it does with the encoding after it's injected into your body. We've never used it in human beings before. All of the animal studies that they've been doing since the early 2000s and particularly since 2002 forward showed accelerated autoimmune diseases in the animals and it didn't matter which primate they used, whether it was mice, rats, hamsters, ferrets, non-human primates, which is the interesting name that they're calling monkeys these days, but all of them experienced accelerated autoimmune disease and death. They could not find a mammal in which this didn't happen. And the research papers conclude a sentence that's similar to this. We must uh, proceed with great caution in developing vaccines for against the coronavirus because of this possibility of something called ADE, which is antibody-dependent enhancement that the antibody doesn't neutralize the virus. Instead, it accelerates the infection. It drags the coronavirus or the fragment of the DNA inside of the cells 
attaches to the body's own reverse transcriptase and starts replicating over and over and over again, which accelerates the infection. It's like having an on button, but no off button. So the senior citizens who feel like they they have to get this, it's like uh, saying, yes, please put a gun to my head and shoot me, please. And it's, and I hate to be that, you know, I've gotten to the place with this, you know, I told you guys before we started, I actually counted them up. I mean, uh, between December, January 1, 2020 and December 31st of, of 2020, I did 387 interviews and that's podcasts, radio, television, online broadcasts, seminars on my own Instagram lives. I mean, all the things that I've done. And since January 1st till now, I've probably done another 30. <laughs> so when I said it's been more than 400, I wasn't exaggerating. And I'm a little tired of pussyfooting around this issue of dancing around it and being afraid we're going to offend somebody because people are so in a coma and so far asleep that you're going to have to take a, a tin pan and a wooden spoon and bang it to get their attention. And so it's, if they, they, and we're getting to the point now, we're going to start with the second injection. And they, I've learned from immunologists in Europe that it takes about 42 days for the spike protein to develop. So from the time you forget the first and the second injection, we're going to develop this spike, this anti-spike protein immunoglobulin. And we have no idea the long-term consequences of that. We have no idea how long that antibody exists. As long as that antibody exists, it could be two months or 20 years. As long as that antibody exists in your circulation or whoever received that vaccine, they are going to be at risk when they get re-exposed to coronaviruses of ADE, the, uh, the antibody dependent enhancement, which can cause all kinds of problems. Dr. Dolores Cahill spells it out very clearly. And so does, uh, so does Dr. Dr. Lee Merritt when they talk about this will be a slow demise for many and nobody will connect the dots. They'll start presenting with sepsis, with, with shortness of breath, cough, coughing up blood. And nobody, everybody will say, oh, it's a mutant virus instead of saying, oh, it's a side effect to the vaccines. I, I love the way you're trying to not tiptoe because <laughs> I feel the exact same way. What I'd like to go is maybe a step back because what we see is people are vaccine, pro-vaccine. What I've seen, a lot of the research and the, what you've written is basically in babies, what they're doing to babies because people will kind of relate to children before themselves. So you might let us know what they're actually injecting babies at the start when they're born? Well, they even start now injecting babies before they're born. I mean, they give flu shots and, and pertussis vaccines, Tdaps, to pregnant women. They give Rogam to uh, um, pregnant women who are blood type A negative. They they're have a negative, um, if, they're, if they're A negative or B negative, they have a negative serotype. So they, um, sorry about the birds, guys. <laughs> That's just what they are. So they start injecting these things that have mercury and aluminum and all sorts of stray and random viruses and different things into the into pregnant women, which they're now advocating this coronavirus vaccine for pregnant women. Even though deep inside of the Pfizer document, it says that men who get the Pfizer vaccine should not should not participate in unprotected sex for at least six weeks after they've had the vaccine, which means they don't know if it's passes in the in the, along with the sperm or not. 
So they're injecting babies before they're even born. And then as soon as they're born, they get a hepatitis B vaccine, which is loaded with aluminum, which is completely unnecessary. And I think one of the most neurotoxic vaccines they've ever developed. When they initially developed it, that um, they said they never tested it in babies, only in five to 10-year-old children. And we've been given hepatitis B at birth since 1991, which means those children are now adults, which means they're now 26, 27-year-old adults if they were in the first round of that which means they have a fully vaccinated boy with a fully vaccinated girl that has corroded genes and has problems with their sperm and ovaries. Now they're getting married and they're having babies that now we're going to start injecting. I don't know how the human race is going to survive that. The addition th reason thing that they do at, at birth is a, a vitamin K shot. The last time I looked, that, which was about a year and a half ago, there were at least six different brands in the U.S., six different brands of vitamin K, and two of them have 100 micrograms of aluminum in them. So you get 100 micrograms of aluminum from hepatitis B, 100 micrograms of aluminum from vitamin K within minutes of birth. And we know how neurotoxic this is. We know it can, it's a problem with the kidneys. Uh, it doesn't start getting eliminated from the body until a child's gallbladder starts to function, which is two years of age. So, and then now children get multiple doses of 16 or 17 vaccines, depending on how you count them. And some, some of them like rotavirus, they're an oral, oral vaccine. One of the brands, you need three, three doses. The other brand, you need four. With DPT as a teenager, one of them, you need uh, one booster shot. Another one, you have two. Uh, depending on the meningitis vaccine you get, you could get three doses or you could get four, or you could get two doses or you could get three. So the total sum number of vaccines that children get from birth till 18 years of age is somewhere around 72 doses of vaccine, depending on which brand you get. And so um, in every single one of those vaccines have known carcinogens in them. They have chemicals that can disrupt your genes. They have chemicals that can turn into carcinogens once they're injected into your body. You know, it's an onslaught on humanity from, from the first childbirth. Now they're talking about here in the U.S. starting to require, in fact, I know of at least three states that they're having serious discussions about saying that these children have to get a coronavirus vaccine prior to heading back to school. No science, no research, zero clinical trials, and children are about as close to zero, at, at can even contracting this infection, as zero can get. But yet it's going to be a requirement to inject something never tested in children, never tested in humans, no long-term studies. We don't know what, the, what this is going to look like in a year or two or three years. We don't know if that's going to sterilize them because it's going to lead to a, a whole big thing with infertility down the road. But yet we're going to require that in order for them to stop being wearing a diaper over their face all day long and go back and, and stop studying at home, which all these kids are failing miserably. They're not logging in. They're not doing what they're supposed to. They're not learning the nuances of humanity of being able to read facial expressions. They're losing all their social connections because they're not allowed to touch anybody anymore. And all of this over nothing. I got a text message was one day last week from a friend of mine who had received this text message. And the text message said, my neighbor's child just got admitted to the hospital because they have become so terrorized about COVID. This is a 10-year-old, so terrorized about COVID. They are horrified and deadly afraid of their own saliva. They've stopped eating and drinking. They're now admitted to the hospital. They've lost 20 pounds. This was a 10-year-old. 
has lost 20 pounds and it took nine adults to hold them down to start an IV because they were so terrorized about the, him being around 10, around these adults who actually, even though they had masks on, that he might contract this viral infection. What we're doing to humanity from pre-birth to now birth to children, what we're doing to senior citizens is biological warfare against the human race in all countries by a tyrannical government, in my opinion, run by the World Economic Forum. It's them. They are the them that are behind the scenes of this. Yeah, totally agree with you. And like, I know a lot of people, they're kind of trusting the governments. And all I'd say is with all the foods that are out there, aspartam and all the toxins, that shows they don't care about you. But regarding the pharmaceutical industry, they've all been up for fines for bribing. I know that I investigated in Ireland. They're all based in Ireland for tax reasons. They've all given kickbacks. So you're going to put your trust in a pharmaceutical industry that bribes people. And I'm sure you've come across that as well. Well, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, the companies are, are convicted of felonies. They've paid billions and billions of dollars in fines, both for drugs and biologics and vaccines and, and clinical trials where children died and they buried the data and all the fraudulent things. I mean, it's, it's a horrific system. In fact, if it honestly, quite honestly, if it wasn't so nefarious, it'd be a great business model, right? <laughs> you know, you create these toxic products, you convince these smart people called doctors to run around and write words on a piece of paper and hand them out for a living, make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year doing that. And you, the manufacturer, don't have to pay them a salary, don't have to pay them benefits. They don't get any time off or vacation pay from you. They're just making you billions over a trillion dollars a year writing words on a piece of paper that go to that person that makes them sick, which then requires more words on a piece of paper to write. And it's it, if it wasn't such a nefarious, horrible thing, it'd be like pretty brilliant in terms of business models. But these people are criminals. They're criminals. And what they're doing now is even worse criminals. It's, um, it's a horrific thing that's happening. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll pass over to Steve now because uh, he's staying up at four in the morning for, to, for this call. <laughs> well, I mean, thanks for being here. And I mean, just keep talking, really, because it's just, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm trying to I have my wrestling coach from my, from high school. He's about, you know, he's like, I already, I already signed up the hospital. My coach, 99% survival rate. If, if you if you give me a chance, I'll explain why you don't even need it in the first place. He's like, well, I'm going, and then and then he says it's helping herd herd immunity, and but it's not, of course. So, but it's not because it, it, it's the whole fake thing of flattening the curve and that whole nonsense, and there was never even a pandemic really, and the numbers were always false, and Neil Ferguson knew it. And they're all minions and they're all acting. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, it even says on the they don't they can't call it a package insert because it's not an FDA approved product. FDA approved products are required to have package inserts. They call them doctor um, guidelines or something like that. And in the doctor guidelines, it says uh, we can't tell you whether or not this is going to keep you from getting sick. It certainly doesn't stop you from spreading the virus. You still have to wear a mask. You still have to socially distance. You still have to do all these things. But, oh, it's going to magically make this virus go away, except there's like 150 known mutations on the virus already. So how can this vaccine do anything? Because it's not even really a vaccine because it fails on every element of what a legal definition of a vaccine is. A legal definition is that it decreases your incidence of becoming sick. 
it decreases your ability to spread the infection, it decreases hospitalizations, and um, lowers the, the circulating virus, that uh, lowers the quantity of virus that's in circulation. Well, let's unpack that. It doesn't do any of those things. It tells you right on the information, mm, we don't think this is going to keep you from getting sick. And, and oh, now there's reports coming out that people who have been vaccinated can spread the virus. How can that be when they're not even injecting a full virus? They're injecting a little piece of genetics. Oh, but you still have to wear a mask? Really? And if this is the most deadly, horrifying, easily spread virus in the world, why do I have to be tested to prove that I'm sick? And why do you have to take a six-inch skewer and go clear to the back of my throat? Couldn't you just like, like blow on that if I'm so infected and so contagious that I have to be apart and I have to wear a mask and I can't touch anything and I have to mm. get credit cards that don't touch anything? Mm. Oh, but I'm going to get vaccinated and somehow that's going to go away? No, what that's going to do is allow them to track you and put on your cell phone your little COVID pass to make sure that you've been marked. And now that you've been marked for life because this, you know, people, I get a lot of questions about this, Steve, about people ask me, well, I have to get this vaccine. I have to for my job. So I guess I'll just get it. Well, first of all, people need to understand this is not just like getting a flu shot. It's not the same thing. And once you vaccinate with this shot, you're never going to be unvaccinated. You're never going to unvaccinate ever. And it'll just be more and more. And the technology will hook you up to the artificial intelligence and move you into the transhumanism movement, hook you up to the cloud. And oh my gosh, if you're going up, they can come down, which means they can track you with their social credit scores. And then they can turn you off whenever you have conversations like this and you misbehave. And so, you know, David Martin said it best, Dr. David Martin, when he said, this is, this is a, a genetic modif modification technology. It's not a vaccine. It's a genetic modification technology. It's something that goes in and creates a protein that that protein binds to your cellular proteins, particularly in your DNA, irreversibly. So when you see the pro-vaccine people say, oh, all those conspiracy theorists saying that this messenger RNA gets incorporated into their cells, it doesn't. Well, technically they're correct. It's not the messenger RNA that gets into your cells. It's the messenger RNA that hooks up with your reverse transcriptase, makes a new protein, and that new protein gets into your cells irreversibly. It says on the package insert or on the doctor advisory that, that there's no adjuvants, there's no preservatives, no adjectives. Well, technically they're correct. There is no aluminum in, the, in this vaccine, which is the most common adjuvant they use, but they have a little messenger RNA, a little snip of protein now in the Moderna vaccine. It's right off the patent that goes into your cells, hooks up with your reverse transcriptase. And what is that cute little piece of protein that they make? I mean, it's called flagellin and it's an adjuvant that's never been tested in humans. It's not approved. It's only experimental. And now they make it inside of your cells. And once you turn on that on button, you can't turn it off. So they've got, and the third thing is, is they've got this lipoid chemical structure that's supposed to be around that messenger RNA. But it's interesting that those lipoid structures can cross the blood-brain barrier and go into the brain and release the messenger RNA in your brain. The other thing is that's why it has to be stored at minus 90 degrees Fahrenheit, which is uh, colder than the North or the South Pole, to keep that protein around there for a longer, or that, that lipid around there for a longer period of time. It's completely experimental, never been used in humans before. And not only is it experimental and never been used in humans, they're injecting three different types of them all at the same time. 
So for people who are like, yeah, I'm in, man, give me that vaccine. It's the social thing for me to do. It's the socially acceptable thing to do. I'm getting vaccinated because it's part one for the team. They're going to die. So they're going to get seriously injured. It's just a matter of time. So um, there's not much time. I mean, just in general, let's just keep focusing on if you're walking around and you're healthy and you have no symptoms and it's 99% survival rate, why do you even, why would you line up anyway? Exactly. I mean, there was one paper that I read that they said that, um, you know, they keep testing all these healthy, non-sick people, then it comes up positive. Well, let me see. What does the PCR test actually test? It tests for that you've been exposed to that virus somewhere along the line. And there's a little snip of that virus, but you're not sick. So if you test more and more people and more and more people are not sick, but they test positive, for which is driving social engineering, but has nothing to do with infection. But doesn't that mean that we already have achieved herd immunity? That millions of people have been exposed, they're not sick, we test them, it's positive, so they've been exposed to the virus. Doesn't that mean we've achieved herd immunity with this little virus that's sort of rolled through the population? We don't even need a vaccine. We don't need it at all. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, thank you. I'll let someone else go and maybe I'll get another chance. Yeah. Sure, Chris, you can go next to the Mind Wars. Yeah, uh, I mean, our time is short. There's loads of questions I want to get through, but I'll keep it uh, simple. Um, basically, I know you're awake for a long time, uh, Sherry, going back to your early days of, you know, words like the Illuminati and the uh, Council of Foreign Relations or be the Bilderberg, all this secret society, Freemasonry. That was just, you know, child's but that was around your ears kind of a lot. So I suppose my question in a sense, and I believe I've, I've seen what David, uh, Dr. Dave Martin has said as well about, you know, this is not a vaccine. We need to start calling it a vaccine as well. And on top of that, I know you're good friends with Dr. Pavleski and he's actually, he said it a couple of times. He said, this is a murder weapon. They're his own words. I put the video up actually on my website of, of that as well. Um, how big a role? I know you're, you've, you've talked lots before about the eugenics moving back in the day. Uh, you know, Margaret Sanger, we can go back further and all that. But I mean, how going into the present day situation, how big of it? Because I believe myself as mass genocide globally. It's a, it is a massive depopulation program. What are your thoughts on that itself? It's the as illogical as it sounds. It's the only logical explanation because it's not about keeping people well or sick or decreasing hospitalizations or, you know, the COVID numbers here in the U.S. will never be ferreted out. I mean, you've got COVID-19 as a diagnosis on your death certificate, whether you died from a ruptured appendix or a gunshot wound to the head, you know, and so, you know, we'll never know what those numbers are. And so I was on a call last night with a group of people who had done a call with an indigenous population I believe it was Brazil and that they were, I believe it was Brazil and they were swooping in the world health organization and the UN was swooping in to go in deep into the jungle at the behest of this NGO to vaccinate these native people in the middle of nowhere that are, and by the, their chief in their organization actually even said, we're an insular population. How are we even going to be exposed to this? Oh, but the NGO said, but we have to do this because it's for the greater good. So they're going to kill off those people that, and so I said to these people I was on the call with, I said, you know, I want to ask you this question, and, and this is a sincere question. What are they doing this for? The only explanation is depopulation of the planet. You know, the Georgia Guidestones have been around for a long time. Um, you know, they've talked about, you know, depopulating the planet down, you know, three, four billion people. I did an interview 
it was in September with um, Rocco Galati, who's the, you know, the main civil rights act, a, toyer, a, a lawyer in Canada. And he said to me, and I didn't know this, he said that there is part of their plans that by the year 2030 to 2035, which is right around the corner, uh, that there will be three to four billion people on this planet who will be unemployed because of the transhumanism movement and because of robotics and moving into that area that much of the menial labor will be done by robotics. And if you think about it, I mean, robots, they can work 24 seven. They don't need, they don't need benefits. They don't need any time off. They don't, you know, they just work. Right. And so if we are going to have three or 4 billion people unemployed, we can't have three or four billion worthless eaters running around out there trying to plot a way to overthrow the government. So what better way to like call the herd and get rid of that, the very old and the, and the, and the very, and the very poor out in the middle of indigenous jungles somewhere. Oh yeah. So we can go in and harvest their, their, uh, their natural resources. Got to get, get rid of them off the land, which is happening in Africa. And so we, you know, and now we, and then we've got the middle people, you know, the young people, the very young, if they start vaccinating babies, we'll make them infertile. So that will cut down on the population there. And the middle age people, the people somewhere between 20 and 50, well, a good portion of them will get sick and die. And oh, the ones that are still alive, great, they're going to be customers for life. And that will be part of the 500 plus drugs that are in the developmental pipeline. Not to treat COVID, because when I first read that, I read that off the FDA site that there were 526 drugs that are in the developmental pipeline right now for COVID. And there may even be more than that now. That was a while back. And I said, why do we need 500 drugs to treat the flu? Oh, we don't. We need 500 new biologics and really expensive, fancy schmancy drugs to treat all the neurological problems, all the autoimmune diseases, all the cardiovascular stuff, all of those really weird and unusual blood dyscrasias and disorders we're going to see once people are injected with this stuff. It's not, it, ha the, it has to be, you know, and, and those of us that have been like myself, like you mentioned, you know, I've known about, you know, the CFR, the Bilderbergers, all this stuff since I was a kid. I mean, I grew up with that conversation, right? And, you know, you, you kind of, we used to talk about it kind of in whispered voices, you know, over, you know, over, a, over a brew or over a, a shot of whiskey or something like that, you know, in quiet voices, because we don't want to say this too loud. They'll, you know, they already think we're kind of nuts questioning vaccines, right? If we really talk about like what the real agenda is here, they really, the white coats will come and really lock us up. I mean, it'll be over, right? And now it's common knowledge. It's like talking about human trafficking and pedophilia and adenochrome and all those things that people said, whoa, wait, I don't know. But now we're talking about it. So, you know, maybe, some, you know, I tend to want to be like the, the glasses half full kind of girl, you know, so maybe some of the good things about all of this is that billions of people are going to wake up, they're going to revolt, dark to light, you know, we're seeing all this darkness that is being exposed that we would have never seen before if it wouldn't be for this. And they've overplayed their hands. And I honestly think that they were not really expecting the blowback that they've had. And I think they thought, and I think that's why the program seems to be accelerated and things are happening a lot faster because we, the people, are getting this information out. And we, the people, are saying not only no, but hell no, I'm not doing that. You know, we went from 70% of people at the beginning of this saying, yes, I want the vaccine and I'll be the first to the line to only about 41% saying now. That's a huge swing. And, and so now they're tightening the screws. Okay, you don't wanna vaccinate? You can't have food. 
You can't get on an airplane. You can't have access to your medical care. You know, you're, uh, we're going to shut off the electricity on your house. So it's more and more and more becoming apparent to me. We have to keep doing what we're doing as long as we're still living on the planet to do it. You know, people like us in this in this conversation here, you know, because it's it's got to be, it really is a we against them. And either we can just say no and go over here and start a whole new utopian society, right? You know, we can do herbs and vitamins and, and acupuncture and natural sorts of things. I mean, we don't need their pharmaceuticals. We don't need their stuff. So if there's, and I know that there's a lot of places all over the world that they're looking at like internet 4.0, they're looking at all different things to like take us away and say, okay, you guys go over there, we'll go over here and we'll just start our whole new thing, you know? It's a, no, I agree a hundred percent. And uh, I think it's a, it's just a great time for being awake. I think it's one of the best times in life to actually be around and be living while other people are looking at the last half empty. Like you said, I'm looking at half full. So it's like, now they've been in this, like, you know, Klaus Schwab has been talking for 50 years and people before him have even been talking longer and longer. So, I mean, now they've showed their ugly faces. Now they've really entered the room. Now is the time to face them down, face this evil that is upon us. So I think it's a great time to be alive. I'd love to keep going down the rabbit hole further in that stuff with you, but I know time is limited, but um, so I'll pass it over to the, the next person. You know, I said, I'll make a comment about that. I was on an interview earlier today and and the com, you know, they, I was saying, I think that people hear this, and, and the reason that they do this divisiveness, pro-vax versus anti-vax and all you crazy conspiracy theorists, is because it creates such cognitive dissonance in people. And the cognitive dissonance, I believe, goes to the, goes to the place of they, they just can't get their head around the fact that the government wants to hurt me? Well, that's because we don't teach history anymore. I mean, look back, you know, all the way back to the Phoenicians and the Sumerians and all of the mm. things that happened, you know, you know, through the uh, uh, history, the Hittites and all the people in, you know, millions of, of, of um, despotic rulers that killed off thousands, if not millions of their followers just because for no apparent reason. And so it's not such a and just because people wear a suit and a tie and they sit around a board table doesn't make them any nicer or any less tyrannical or any less uh despotic it just means that people can't don't because we don't teach history anymore and people don't look backwards in time and i really believe what will durant has said and wrote his entire series about right that if we don't learn the lessons of history we will repeat them yeah and that's why i mean censorship has gone to the roof at the moment because yep. like you said they've moved too fast and i said it plenty of times so far they've moved too fast they've overplayed their hand and they didn't expect the backlash it could be a lot bigger i feel there needs to be more and more uh getting awake all the time as well we're trying to constantly wake up people but you said i'll keep it brief you said a very important thing in plenty of your interviews before as well is that we're all going around and we're all podcasters here as well and we're all trying to like awaken people and make sure you know as you say it's like the farmer in the field just trying to plant that seed and we might get max maybe 25 percent or so of actually waking that person up but wherever it drops be it in australia new zealand wherever it'll just land somewhere we'll just keep pushing through and keep pushing through all the time but what you touched on kind of resonated with me as before in the last couple of months actually was when you said that uh, i think you were talking to uh, did dr dave martin and a few others as well and you kind of said we're almost gone beyond the point of not that we leave everybody behind it's not awake we're almost gone beyond the point of um we need to keep moving forward with the people who are fully awake now because enough is enough like you say no i'm not into political correctness no tiptoeing around say it as it is and move on and that's kind of it because that day is done yeah and we don't need 7.7 .7 billion people on our side mm. you know you know like um margaret mead said and i'll you know, I'll paraphrase her quote when she said, it only takes a small group of dedicated people to change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever had. 
you know, we don't need in America 330 million people being awake. We need maybe 3,000 that are going to hammer down until we get it done. You know, in fact, and if you haven't, you know, I listen to um, Scott Kesterson a lot on Bards, Bards FM, Bards, Bards of War. And, you know, he said a while back, you know, I really like what he says about, you know, we are we going to just like give up and roll over? Or are we going to move forward? And we don't. And if you have any doubt that we're gonna, not going to win, then get off the playing field. Go away. We don't have time for you to try to convince you, handhold you, make you little snowflakes feel comfortable. We don't have any time for that now. We're, yeah. we're at a pivotal point in time in history where we need everybody that's going to be on the playing field to be all in. And if you're not going to be all in, that's okay. Love you. Pray for you. Go over there, right? But if, if you're going to be on this team, it's all in. Brilliant, Sherry. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Artemis. <laughs> I'm just sick of this, such a short time we have with you, but yeah. continue. <laughs> Salt and pepper. It's really yeah. good. You are kick ass, Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Tenpenny. And um, I want to I want to uh, share with you my idea. I like I love the Wachowski brother movies, Matrix, Cloud Atlas, uh, Jupiter Ascending. And the interesting thing about Cloud Atlas is it's a weird movie I, I couldn't see completely. But um, the interesting thing is in this movie, they show a world only with Chinese. And this is, in my opinion, very interesting because the most people see only this uh, vaccination from a, from a healthcare point of view, but never from a geopolitical and geomilitarical or military point of view. And if you see it from this point of view, everything is possible. Yeah, slaughterbots as microchips, uh, mRNA vaccinations. And um, I have two questions. The first question is, as it is not a vaccination concerning the definition, so it's a medical device, but the governments say that it's a vaccination in order to get the approval from the, from the people. So this is, this is, is this a possible, well, is this um, a possibility to get them in the court? Do you no. think so? No, no. Um, well, at least not in the U.S. I don't know about in all the countries where you guys are no. from, but not in the U.S. Uh, for two reasons. One is the 1986 Vaccine Injury Compensation Act, which um, if they kill children, they get away with it. And then the 2005 PrEP Act, which put the 1986 law on steroids. And the 2005 Act, you cannot sue them for anything. You can't sue them for an ingredient for a bad outcome, for they could mix, you know, anything into their witch's brew that they want. And they have zero, zero liability. In fact, the only way that you could have any recourse, if, uh, if this vaccine came out and a million people died, the only recourse would be some semblance of a class action lawsuit that you would have to not go through the courts, but you would have to go to the U.S. Attorney General and convince the Attorney General that these products were made under an act of willful misconduct, meaning they created it intentionally to kill you, which I've talked to a lot of lawyers and they say that's virtually impossible to prove. And that's why our great Congress people put it into the law to serve their masters, the pharmaceutical industry. There is no recourse. Now, having said that, I still hold out a little tiny little bit of hope that maybe someday, maybe someday if the people actually take over the planet, we can get them in the world court. That we can, you know, go for crimes against humanity and, you know, do something there. But I don't know, as crooked as our U.S. Supreme Court has turned out to be and as bought off as we found out that they are, 
I don't know that the only justice could be brutal justice. You know, my husband, my, my he passed away sadly seven years ago, but Kevin you, and I used to talk about this a lot. And used to say that the only way that there's going to be any change from any of these, this nefarious cast of characters is if we have the equivalent of a French revolution where the people literally stormed the gates and chopped off their heads and stuck it on a pole and carried it down the street, you know, until we have some level of that. And then everybody's like, oh, no violence, no violence. They are violating us with violent things every single day. They're injecting products into us that could kill us. Isn't that violence? You know, we've and we've come to come to this conclusion that, or we've been fed this um, image, and I think it comes from war movies and you know different things like that. That that we only define war as if there's bombs falling out of be be um, bellies of airplanes, and as long as there's no bombs falling out on the on me, or there's not bullets flying through my front door, then it's not really war. But this is the most nefarious, insidious, unbelievable war that humanity has ever faced. The true extinction of the human race is at hand here. You know, not only killing off all the old people and making the young people infertile, potentially, or not what we want to do to children and making everybody else sick on this big rush to put this investigational product into us with no long-term, uh, no idea what it's going to look like long-term. Isn't that the most insidious biological definitive war warfare that has ever happened on the human race. I it think is. that's what we need to wake people up to these days is to realize that they, they just because there's not bombs dropping on their head or bullets flying through their door. This is war. It's war for human race. Like Chris's organization, their mind wars. Yeah. We're into that completely. The situation as we raised up, for example, with the HIV virus, which was never separated. But um, more fear concerning this uh, virus on the world. And the interesting thing is an mRNA vaccination is, tra the transmission of an mRNA vaccination is done by mucous membrane. You don't need any injection for, 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 uh, for the transmission. So the question is, for example, if a vaccine person has contact, sexual contact or a kiss of a non-vaccine person, is there a possibility to uh, trans uh, to transmit this vaccination to the uh, non-vaccine person, so this would be this would be really the nightmare. But we don't know. That's another one of those great big things we don't really know, right? So you know, because we don't know about transmission. You know, we're injecting messenger RNA, which is a little snip of genetic material. We're not injecting the full virus. That's why the PCR testing is completely fraudulent. You know, because we're we're creating, we're decimating industries and creating humanitarian policy over fraudulent tests and, and inaccurate data. I mean, if that isn't like a criminal offense right there that everybody should wake up to. I was also on another conference call earlier when I said I can never get any work done. I spend all this time on calls, right? Is that uh, uh, we were talking about doctors. And quite frankly, there's such lame, spineless characters. I just can't hardly deal with it. You know, it's um, physicians, you know, that are pushing this forward. Well, you don't know anything about it. They think it's just like another flu shot. You know, it's like, just get it. Just get it. There's people dying. Really? Have you even looked at the data? And so, you know, it's like, well, it's going to take three to five years for physicians to finally get on board. It'll be way too late by then. Way too late. And so we don't know what we're doing with any of this stuff. It's just full court press. 
period and discussion. Roll up your sleeve and take your shot and shut up and sit down. And concerning the PCR test, have you have you heard that John Hopkins University has established a device which could be on the PCR test in order to to give up a medication? I've seen that. I've seen that they say that it's experimental. I've seen that. So I don't know if it's actually being used. There's been a lot of suspicion that maybe that's what's at the end of these Q-tips. You know, I've seen those videos. No proof of that. I mean, I don't really know. They say that it's uh, supposed to deliver medication to the local place where they want to deposit it. But, oh, there's nothing possibly that could go wrong with that. Like nothing. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> nothing. I mean, we just, you know, have people swallow all these little metal microbes that, that populate their entire GI tract to deliver medication to them. But what if that all develops, you know, it's supposed to be sustained release, but what if it all at the same time? Or now that you got all these little metal little things inside of your intestinal tract and you go through a metal detector, is it going to light up? I mean, you know, nothing could go wrong with any of that craziness, nothing. You know, we know exactly when we do when we do DNA vaccines and genetic manipulating vaccines, we know exactly which gene it's going to go to. And none of the rest of them. We know that for sure. Crazy. Thank you so much. <laughs> if, you, if, you don't, if you don't laugh about some of this stuff once in a while, it gets so dark, you can't even deal with it, you know. Yeah, I yeah. see that um, like the CDC and the FDA, they're funded by Big Pharma. And I like to look at solutions. So what I say is a lot of people, they have their pensions that are invested in pharmaceutical companies. There's people that are buying shares. So that's one thing they can make sure that they're not funding these guys. Have you any other solutions that people can be doing? Because we need to hurt them as much as we can. Um, I think that they're, one of the biggest problems is that people... People are kind of like you know, kind of like doctors. I mean, they're 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 herd animals, right? People are herd animals. They all want to run around the pack, and they don't want to like stand out because somebody might unfriend them on Facebook or something if they if they stand out and stand up against something, right? <laughs> so so um, it's true, right? And I know that in Australia they have this thing the uh, the about the tall poppy. I know that, you know, historically about in Australia, you know, Australia was set up originally as a penal colony, right? That all of the people of the UK that were set up down there as a penal colony. And so if one person, you know, if they're all the same level, if one person stood up and tried to make a big scene or to change something, um, that they, that everybody in the camp was, pun was punished for that one person that they came to call the tall poppy. And so nobody wants to be a tall poppy. Nobody wants to stand out. Nobody wants to draw attention to themselves. I just want to keep my head down and, you know, stay out of the way. And so it's hard to get people to stand up because they really kind of feel like they're alone. So if we can keep spreading the word and, you know, Pam Popper, who's one of the people that I work with on the lawsuits here in the U.S., I mean, she started this whole thing about a Thursday night get together. That you need to just get together in your house, in your office, in your garage, someplace with a small group of people to keep talking about this and to have no masks on so you can see facial expressions and you're finding who your like-minded people are and you have it grow and you have it grow because all politics is local and boots on the ground. And if people, and, and, and it's not all about being the leader. I don't know if you guys have seen that video. It's, if you, uh, it's on YouTube. It's had 4 million views. It's called um, The Shirtless Dancing Guy. You ever seen that video? You guys really need to watch yeah, it. Yeah. It's the shirtless dancing guy because it's not about the leader. It's about the first follower, you know, because this guy can be like me, blah, 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 crazy, 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 tinfoil hat, conspiracy theorist. But then you get a follower 
And then you get another follower and another follower. And that's how you make the movement. So the brave person, the bravest person in the room is the first follower, is the person who's willing to stand up next to the crazy tall poppy person that's out there. And so if we could get that happening more and more and more all over the world, so that suddenly now when somebody does speak out, there's a thousand people that stand up behind them and go, yeah, I'm, a, I'm with that guy or I'm following that girl because they don't feel like they're the only, they, ha they don't have to be the leader and they don't have, and they don't feel like they're alone because there's a whole bunch of people getting behind that leader. And that's, I think, a solution. That's how we have to do this. That's the only way that we're going to let people get over their fear and their comatose indoctrination of, you know, wearing seven masks and goggles now to keep from getting this virus, right? I mean, seriously. It's, it's uh, getting to know your neighbors and talking to people in a pub, in a bar, in a restaurant. And it's exactly why they, they, they said well, they went from 50 people to 20 to 10 really fast. So they didn't get a whole bunch of people sitting around going, what the hell is all this crap all about? And saying, we're not doing this. You know, instead, they separated us. They muzzled us. They didn't let us touch each other. They didn't let us congregate. And that went on. Now it's gone on for 10 months. Because statistically, if you do something for 66 days, and this is relatively new research, 66 days, which is two months in a week, it's created a new habit. They've broken the human spirit and introduced a new habit. And now it's going to be harder and harder to get people to give it up. Unless we can get them so disgusted by the facts of what they've been scammed on. And I say, I challenge people to say, what if a year from now, two years from now, X period, name the time frame, you really become very much aware that you bought the Kool-Aid and you were scammed. How are you going to deal with that? If Just imaginary, just fabric, just think. Maybe there's a possibility that all this stuff is a scam and suddenly you got the right amount of facts that did that. How are you going to respond to that? And they tell you, well, this is how, I've never been scammed. Well, let's just play the game. Pretend you had. Pretend you figured that out. How would you respond? And when they start to tell you, I mean, really listen and sort of encourage it. And then when they get to the end of the sentence, say, that's how you should be responding now, because this is a scam. Now you've allowed them to ventilate and put forward what they would do if down in the future they found out they'd been scammed. Great. Channel that energy into, the, into today. Into today. That, yeah, this is what you should be doing today, because the facts are you've been scammed. And now you've already given them a solution. Instead of them worrying about what do I do if I found out that I've been scammed, well, you've already figured it out. Do it. Go do it now. Love it. Love it. And we actually had uh, Dr. Pam Popper on Saturday, so she was on the show. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, really she's great. Maybe Grace, you have another question? Yeah, Dr. Um, Tenpenny, do you like to speak and teach about the Project BioShield Act or the EUA and the PREP Act that you've been speaking about lately? Do I like to speak about it? I mean, please teach. <laughs> oh, well, the PREP Act, you know, the 2005 PREP Act, like I said, it just was a, a, a piece of legislation that was passed in 2005 and was reactivated in 2020, written into the Federal Register, which means that you can't sue anybody for anything. So this, any product, whether it's a drug, a biologic, a vaccine, a software, a hardware, an electronic, anything that can be called a covered countermeasure under the umbrella of this emergency, which, oh, by the way, doesn't exist, 
But under this emergency, it has complete liability protection. And no matter, even if it kills you, you have no recourse. That's what that is. Okay. Thank you. And then um, you usually teach the audience three things that needs to be done. Um, you, you, you always talk about, you, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> what I tell people is that, you know, um, this was during the lockdown. This was during the lockdown period of time, but I think it still applies, right? Is get your physical house in order, you know, get rid of all the junk you don't need. And, you know, all those boxes that you're going to get to go through someday, if you haven't opened them in 10 years, don't bother, just throw them away. <laughs> so just get your physical house in order. Get your body in order. Get some sleep, get some exercise, lose some weight, eat well. You know, get, you know do those projects around the house. Everybody's got a stack of books they always wish they could get to. You know, feed your mind. Spend time with your kids on things that you always wish you had time for, like maybe family genealogy, you know, things that your grandparents told you that you want to pass on to your kids. You know, set up a card table in the middle of your living room and do a, do a, a, a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, you know, so that you can have conversations and turn off the television. Most importantly, you know, somebody early on said to me, you know, to stop spew, stop, stop the corona pandemic turn off the TV. It's spewing coronavirus, right? So just turn off all of that noise. We don't need it, you know? And then most importantly, above all else, get your life right with God. I mean, get in, you know, for me, I'm a very Christian person. So I would say pray, know the gospel of Jesus Christ, move it forward in your life, you know, but get right with your spirituality. Most importantly, get right with God. Because if everything turns around and gets better, well, it's a good recipe. If things continue to go to hell in a handbasket, it's a great recipe. Your house, your body, your mind, your spirit are all in order. If things turn around and we win and it goes forward, well, guess what? It's a good recipe. Your house, your body, your mind, your spirit are all in order. <laughs> so, I mean, but now we've got time. I mean, maybe some people are back to work now, but early on when I was saying this, you know, we were all locked down and didn't know what to do and jobs and kids and all this other stuff. And so, um, you know, it's all sitting around staring at each other in the face. So like, do something. Well, I still think that we can do something. But I think now I would change my message a bit and say, the, the gig's up, the jig's up. We know the truth about the myth of the mask, the fraud of the testing, the dangers of the vaccine. The social conditioning is just social conditioning. It has nothing to do with this very smart virus that can tell distance and heights and can tell time and can count the number of people in a room. And it knows whether or not it's in Home Depot or in a church and can tell whether or not you're singing or talking. I mean, and if you're blowing an instrument, it knows where, you know, we know the facts and it's all a big bunch of nonsense. It's about social engineering control and complete manipulation and decimation of the human race. So I don't know that you need to keep studying the facts. Once we know what the facts are now, like what Roy said, it's make a plan and work the plan. How do we get people to move forward into action to just have like what they did in Italy a couple of weeks ago? 50,000 restaurants go, we're opening, you know, come and you can't arrest all of us. You know, I mean, there's 2000 uh, restaurants in California that I think it's this coming weekend that they're just going to open up. And that's just what they're going to do. And a lot of people going to the restaurants have said, um, we won't put your liquor license on the line. We'll all bring our own alcohol. You know, we'll just do it and bring it into the store, you know. And, and so I think it's time for people to realize that they, they are the power. They are. We're, there's 7.7 .7 billion of us 
there's probably, I mean, uh, Sasha Stone said to me in the interview I did with him, he said, everybody talks about the 1%. He said, but basically it's the 1% of the 1% of the 1% that rules the world. And somebody did that math and that's about 250 people. Well, maybe we need a French revolution, right? We need to do something to convince people that all they have to do to take their power back is take it back. Thank you, Dr. Tenpenny. In New Jersey, just so you know, there is a small group already doing that Thursday thing, and they're connected with the Make Americans Free Again. So awesome. it's moving slowly. Thank you. So if you want to get more education about the stuff that I'm doing, there's two things I'd like to just, oh, three things, actually, three little things. All of the stuff that I've talked about, we're ro I've rolled it into modules, and you can find these individual modules, and they're all free. If you go to vaccineu.com, vaccine, the letter u.com, Click on the catalog. It will take you to the COVID series, and you can download all of this stuff for free about masks, about PCR testing, about the laws and all that stuff. There are modules that are available for anybody for free. You just have to register. So that's vaccineu, vaccinetheletteru.com um, is, is the place that you can go for that. I just launched yesterday my new podcast. It's called The Tenpenny Files. And so the best way to find both the free and the paid content is if you go to um, podbean.com and put the 10 penny files, you have to put the in the beginning of it, the 10 penny files in the search, it'll take you to both the free and the paid content. And then thirdly is that um, March 1st, we launch our spring um, Mastering Vaccine Info Bootcamp course. The bootcamp course is six weeks. It's all new content. I'm doing three sections, two on the immune system. The first is the basic review and education because people talk about the immune system all the time. And they don't know what the hell they're talking about. So I'm doing a whole course on the immune system. The second module is about the effects of this vaccine on the immune system. And the third module is about the therapeutics, both the pharmaceutical therapeutics and the natural ones. My business partner is doing three language modules that's all about activism and how to be a more effective communicator when everything seems all bleak, how to be an effective activist in, in light of um, a censorship, and how to move forward when all things seem to be kind of lost. Because he's, uh, he's studying, he's getting his PhD in psychology right now, and he's got a background as long as both arms. And Matt teaches the language courses. So it's six weeks. It's $495. Um, it'll be launched. It, there, there's links available right now for that. So that's how we make our money. That's what floats our boat and, and pays our bills for the next six months. So um, it's, and you can find that uh, just by going to vaxter.com. So we'll, we'll send out all the links to you guys so you can, you can spread them everywhere. We've had people in our boot camp. This will be the eighth boot camp we've done from all over the world, including Singapore and Japan and South Korea and Kakistan and all kinds of places in Europe. So we've had people from all over the world that have done our boot camp. So vaccineu.com, um, free course content about COVID. My podcast on Podbean, which is the Tenpenny Files, you get free and paid content there. And our boot camp is coming up, starts March the 1st. You'll be hearing more about that in the next couple of weeks. That's uh, fantastic, uh, Dr. Uh, Sherry Tenpenny. Um, I'll also send you some details on the different mm -hmm. podcasts because a lot of us are in the top 10%. I'm in the one top 1% 1 of podcasts. I have four podcasts. So I will share everything to get your podcast up the chart so that you can actually get your message out because every single one of us from the Freedom Broadcasters today loved what you said. I love your energy, your positivity, mm -hmm. because a lot of the times when people are giving the message, it's all doom and gloom. You put a smile on all our faces. I, I see the comments. We thank the listeners. We've got lots of comments, but unfortunately, we didn't have time to engage with the people today. 
but we really appreciate every single thing you're doing and we'll all be following you. So all thank right. You very thank much. you so much, guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks very much. Have a good thank one. You. Take care. Cheers. Uh -huh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.